0: He's got to be pleased with that. The crowd is just on his feet here. He's a Cinderella
1: boy. Uh, tears in his eyes, I guess, as he, as he lines up this last shot. He's got about 195 yards left. This crowd is
0: going to be silent. Cinderella story. Out of nowhere. Former bridgekeeper. Now, about to become
1: the Masters champion. <clears throat> it looks like I'm a wreck. It's in the hole! It's in the hole!
2: Welcome to week 56 of A Good Talk Spoiled. I'm James Richardson and I'm joined again this week by Barry. Hey Barry. Hey James, how's it going? Not too bad. Bit of a cold this week, so uh, sorry if I sound a little bit more deep and thoughtful.
0: A bit like the Tom Waits of golf podcasting.
2: Yeah, exactly. Or if I start coughing in the middle of this uncontrollably, I (laughs) apologise to the listeners. Thank you for everybody who's got in touch with us over the last week uh, through our Twitter handle, which is at and. You can email us at agoodtalkspoiled@gmail.com. at gmail.com. I suppose the first thing to say is just to start very briefly with our own game. Barry, you played at the weekend... It was kind of an average enough weekend for us, wasn't
0: it? Yeah, yeah, nothing crazy. Very windy, tough to score very well. So uh, the only good news is my team got into the final of the Winter League this week coming. So uh, looking forward to that.
2: There was a, You only got in by a shot in the
0: end. Third place really put the squeeze on you, Slav. One point over 10 weeks and three scores from the team count each week. So like the total was 726 points to 725 points in third place. The top two teams go into the final. So yeah, that's uh, one point's all you need, isn't it? And the strange thing, I was in this position last year. My team
2: came first in the normal week to week, and then lost mm. it in the final weekend. So it's now all of it starts again. You just—it's a one-off playoff final. One week playoffs,
0: yeah. Best
2: three cards out of all your teams So you need you really need your whole team to turn up this week as well
0: Absolutely, yeah I might, might send them a gentle reminder email To make sure they're all there But uh, yeah, hope, hopefully it goes well You know, It's a bit of a brutal format of you lead all the way in first and then lose in the playoff But uh, I, won't be, I won't mind too much if we do that Because we're coming from second
2: I know, I told you this off air a few weeks ago But I got an email from a guy on my team After the second week Asking for a bit of a nudge to the rest of the players So mm. I sent a fairly sarcastic so very encouraging email to everybody, but unfortunately, it didn't lift us any further than mid-table mediocrity
0: this year. But yeah, it was a good. It a good two-week rally after it. We did. Maybe yeah. I should
2: have kept sending the email. And <laughs> um, look, uh, we've we've uh, a competition this week, and uh, Barry, you're going to have a quick rundown of what this competition is. Yep. Who's it, who's it being sponsored by, and what do people have to do to be in with the chance to win?
0: So. Uh, Great company called Pitchfix. They uh, exclusively manufacture pitch mark repairs. Have come out with a new, new bit of technology or new style of pitch mark repair called the Twister. And uh, this just looks like un, uh, unlike anything you've ever seen before. It has three slightly barbed prongs in a triangular formation, and they retract back into the unit, obviously, so they don't stab you in the leg. But um, how this. Beats regular pitch mark repairs is regular pitch mark repairs kind of attack the soil in, in two dimensions. And what people can often do is stick the prongs underneath the indentation and just lift it up. And what happens is that leaves a compacted piece of soil at the surface, and all the roots get torn away as well. And it makes it really difficult for the green to, to grow back and the grass to grow in that section. So, what the twister does is it, it just jams in and gently lifts back the. The indentation to the surface and um kind of removes the compaction in the soil and it means you don't have to kind of worry about your technique at all you literally just jab it in there a few times pull it back up and then tap it down to flatten it out with your putter two
2: things is that the amount of times that i see people just
0: walking away from pitch mark repairs
2: um or they do the gentle i'm pretending to fix it but not fixing it really yeah and in fact what it was interesting is the amount of damage you can do with not doing it properly and this this piece of equipment makes it very easy to do the pitch mark repairs, and secondly, it doesn't damage the course. So,
0: Absolutely. I mean, a, ba- a badly repaired pitch mark is just as bad as not repairing a pitch mark. They, they, they can both take multiple weeks to recover and for the greens to to fully uh, to be back to normal again. Um, just an interesting stat we found on pitch marks uh, in advance of the podcast is that the average number of pitch marks made on the greens by a golfer is eight per round. So, if you assume 130 rounds per day are played on a golf course, that's 1,040 pitch marks on the course per day, and 374,400 per year. So, I mean, you can imagine it's hard enough to make putts, but if you've got to deal with all that and badly repaired ones, then it's a uh, it's, it's a bit of a nightmare to try and get a ball in the hole at any stage. So, this is kind of a this helps you do your part for golf and make the green recover quickly and have the surfaces nice and smooth so everyone at the moment
2: is shouting at this podcast saying barry yeah 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 just hurry the hell up and tell us how you get a hold of one so barry shut the hell up and tell us how you (laughs) get one
0: you can't win one james we already have one so pitchfix are awesome they have given uh, us 10 pitchfix repairs the new twister model to be won so the way to enter is to send a tweet and you tweet i want a at Pitch fix USA twister for my hashtag golf and you add in at podcast gts after it and send that in before sunday at midnight let's say gmt and 10 winners will be chosen at random to get a new pitchfix from the awesome guys at pitch fix USA. so we'll tweet that up as well the details on, on what you guys have to tweet to to get an entry in for the competition and uh, 10 of you will be able to make your pitch mark repairing lives a lot easier so awesome thanks a million for that pitch fix
2: right well um going from the very sensible pitch fix to the absolutely extraordinarily odd story that went out this week i think last week we didn't speak about tiger I think first week possibly in the base. two weeks ago we may have but Tiger is back on the agenda this week, let's put it that way. And this is an extremely odd story that has been going around this week where a journeyman pro by the name of Dan Olsen has basically come out and said that basically Tiger isn't taking a sabbatical because of bad golf, but he's been given a, um, well let's call it a Dusty Johnson and uh, he's been given a one month suspension for taking recreational drugs and that that's the reason why he's not now to be fair dan olson has now come out and said oh i made it all up i made it all up uh, oh not straight away but after a few days it so, probably, probably consultation with lawyers i'd say yeah well this is my take on this right rightly or wrongly tiger woods is a billion dollar industry or certainly close enough to it and um, he isn't shy of, of issuing legal writs in the past um, where articles have have defamed him or potentially defamed him. I, I'm amazed that there hasn't been a fairly strongly worded letter to this guy, Tiger, coming out and saying, I'm not commenting on this, but I've left it in the hands of the lawyers and they're going to uh, issue proceedings against this guy. You know, like he's a he's a complete journeyman of a golfer, but that doesn't necessarily mean that he doesn't have some legitimate understanding of what is going on. You know, a lot of people are kind of playing the man, not the ball on this a bit over in the States at the moment, saying, you know, here's a guy who's charging $99 for, you know, three lessons. He's only earned, you know, less than $200,000 on tour. You know, maybe he should shut his mouth. But, um, like, it just, it's, look, it's just mad. Um, Interestingly, there's been very little comment by Tyre. There's been very little... talk about when he's coming back, there was talk originally that he was going to come back last week for the, the, the Honda Classic, that didn't happen, mm. you know, he's been very quiet lately, might be Bay Hill,
0: his Tournament, you never know, it might be over a month? Would it,
2: yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it was beginning of February, do they go by calendar months or do they go by weeks?
0: I don't know, I don't know, Which it's the, just, the, it's the a PG, strange, the BJ tries to suspend people James, we know that, you know.
2: Yeah, well, they came out and spoke this week, which is the first time. I thought they didn't comment about these things, uh, but they they came out and had a conversation about how Tiger is not suspended, which I thought was a bit strange. Where they wouldn't talk about other cases, but they did. But Tigers, talk about always, this. Tigers, always the
0: exception to the rule. Like he's the biggest name in golf, so I mean, it's uh, I guess it's understandable. They kind of they had to do something about it. So anyway, I'm sure watch this space. More more to come for sure. Well. I suppose the only other
2: very little major news, uh, Rory McIlroy, who missed um, and was giving out that he had missed uh, the,
0: the cut, cut at last the Honda, week yeah.
2: at the Honda, went off and uh, he played in a, in a pro-member competition um, where he was paired with John Pick- Pickham? Pickham. Yeah, he was
0: a previous club champion there, plays off about one or two. It's a better ball format.
2: And uh, shot 63 on his own ball. Hitting every green in regulation.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I heard I heard he was practicing over the weekend so much that he had blisters on his hands.
2: And you know what? If, if you hit every green in regulation, do you know what you'd need? A pitch fix.
0: Yeah. You would indeed. A twister one to make, because you're going to be doing a lot of them as well. So you want to make it as easy as possible on yourself. So yeah, little signs that Rory wasn't qu- playing quite as poorly as uh, his scores was always cut would suggest last week at Honda. So yeah, off to Dural this week for the Blue Monster.
2: Yeah, the uh, British Masters is going to return to the European Tour, uh, sponsored by uh, Sky Sports. Um, it's going to be October the eighth to the eleventh, which uh, which should be good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's good. Um, good.
0: to see another event back in the back in our locality in the Brit- Britain and Ireland.
2: And last week's tournaments, um, there's an awful lot to talk about here. So um, we'll we'll mention the, the the Honda LPGA in Thailand was won by Amy Yang. Um fifteen under with the two shots from Miriam Lee yang Stacy uh, Stacy uh, Lewis the juggernaut that is Lydia Ko seems to just continue to 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 steamroll most of the LPGA. They were having a second event um with the New Zealand women's Open in Christchurch. And Lydia Ko wins yet again for the second week in a row, winning by four shots, uh, and uh, took the course record on Saturday with the uh, record sixty-one.
0: And uh, I <coughs> it's her tenth professional win. She uh, can't stop at the moment. It's just amazing.
2: No, it's uh, it's it's a it's a phenomenal phenomenal uh, record already for such a young young woman. And uh, I saw her chip in absolutely outstanding chip in over a bunker. Uh, rolled twenty five yards and uh, left to right down the hill straight in. It was absolutely outrageous, but it was
0: easy game, isn't it? Uh, but you know what? <laughs> for
2: for somebody in such confidence, I I think that's exactly what it is. Yeah. It is an easy game. We're
0: one in three shots, no problem. Standard. And um, the
2: Joburg Open uh, on the European Tour was won by Andy Sullivan, who uh, produced a brilliant closing sixty six to win. And to claim his second European Tour title on South African soil in as many months, he uh, previously won his first title, I think it was in the South African Open Championship at Glen Dower in January. And uh, I suppose it was uh, it was it was well fought, probably well earned. He finished two ahead of uh, Ireland's very own Kevin Phelan, David Howell from England, uh, Anthony Wall, and uh, Wally Cotez, and a few few others, but. It never left him doubt. Uh, good win, good, good, good week by Kevin Phelan. That's his highest professional vic, uh, placing, I think. Is this I tied right second? Place? Yeah, tied second. Was,
0: he's so unlucky as well because this is one of the Open qualifying series events, and the top three golfers who finish in the top ten, so the top three of the top ten who aren't already qualified for the Open, uh, get a spot in the Open. And what happens is when players are tied, it reverts to the highest world ranking of a player. So. Uh, he, there was a five-way tie there, so um, poor Kevin was a little bit behind the other two guys. Um, really unlucky, but he does get a spot in next week's uh, Africa Open for finishing the top five, and he's in 50th in the race to Dubai. So if he keeps knocking in performances like that, he'll have the tour card wrapped up, and you know, surely you know he'll have a. He might convert one of those you know, chances uh, down the stretch on a Sunday into a tournament win.
2: Just from what I'm looking at here, it was his uh, largest payday as well at over 80,000 euros. So, uh, Lovely stuff. so well done to Kevin. Um, nice 20 grand around. We'd all love that. Absolutely. Um, I suppose probably more interesting, uh, both on a colloquial basis and uh, just generally, poor Harrington broke through. Over in the Honda Classic uh, five-day event, uh, the weather did not play uh, a favourable role this weekend. But uh, poor Carrington won after a second playoff hole over Daniel Berger, who Jack Nicholas was talking about as one of the stars of the future and kind of thought that he might finish top five, top three at best. Gets mm. into a playoff. He didn't look out of, uh, didn't look out of place... In that playoff with uh, with with poor
0: no put in he put in a lovely wedge shot he played the 18th uh, the playoff perfectly you know drive drive to the fairway iron down the fairway put a wedge into 12 foot and slightly pulled his uh, his attempt for birdie after Harrington had missed his birdie attempt and they went to 17 where where if anyone hasn't seen it, it was very dramatic the the whole fight the final. Day of Monday, which is about nine holes of litres, was very dramatic altogether. There was just crazy stuff happening all over the place, which we'll talk about in a minute. But ultimately, Harrington, who had dunked his ball in the water on seventeen in regulation, stood up and stuck it into about four or five foot, which you know applied enough pressure to Burger that he uh, unfortunately sliced his tee shot into the water, and that was that was pretty much it.
2: Well, I I was watching it live because I had a few quid on poor Harrington to. Uh, because I'm continuing my my trend of, of waiting till Sundays to, to see what... And Harrington, when he dropped a few on Sunday, went out a bit, and right. I, I ended up backing him. But um, Wayne Riley was talking about the fact that just when he was about to hit, uh, Berger was just about to hit on, um, on, on 17, the wind picked up, mm. and perhaps he, he needed to take an extra club that he just should have stepped off it rather than trying to go that little bit harder but
0: it just pushed this technique off a bit you know like it's so hard though when somebody puts that much pressure on you in match play and I mean we can only speak from our own experience in playing match play you, get a, you know somebody puts in a good shot it puts a lot of pressure on you you can only imagine how many multiples of that pressure it is on a PGA Tour
2: I'd it would have been interesting if he had uh, if he had just got it anywhere on the green and got up and down for park. because that was a pretty shaky putt that Harrington? Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. Hit uh, um, even even had three putts. there yeah, the first one was really was just tiddler down the hill.
2: It really was. Um, his his putting hadn't like when he went out on Sunday as, as one of the leaders um, or in the in, in the leading group his putting was poor. You Mm. know, like he looked so nervous over those six to eight footers. Uh,
0: He was really struggling on that Sunday, wasn't he? But I mean, the the weather break was perfect for him because things were not going his way on the Sunday. And, you know, they, off they went and he got to go, he he went out for dinner with Shane Lowry and they just chilled out for the evening. And, And he, he'd had a conversation with Bob Rotella the week, you know, before the event. And he talked to him again on Saturday and, You know, before he went out on Monday, his wife Caroline, who was there with him, said to him, if you have a big putt, there's nobody you'd rather have hit it than yourself. And that just, you know, kind of reinforced it. Like, you are a great putter, you know, just believe in yourself to do it. And, man, he holds some amount of putts on Sunday. Four birdies in a row, knocked in that 15-footer on 18 in regulation after making that double on 17. It It was just... Well, the
2: one the one on eighteen to get into the playoff, I think, was probably the best putt I've seen seen anybody hit. You know, that was mm. that was nineteen and a half feet, I think. Like like, fifteen, was, fifteen and nine. Fifteen, I think. 15 and nine. Yeah, it was. Um, it was. It was. It was just absolutely superb. Like it. It looked nowhere other than the middle of that hole from mm. the second I left. And there was a part of me that just thought that once he was there, he was going to see it through. The person who, um, <clears throat> I suppose probably has left with more mental scars than uh, positives if pork is leaving with a spring in his step and a million dollars in his back pocket guarantees his tour card i think for for next year because he's
0: the rest of this year and next year it's so just, like it's a, it's it's a career changer in terms of where he is right now and where he was last week in terms of his career
2: particularly as he was a guy who was looking at whether or not he was going to have to use his exemption he was he was actually only there as a uh, sponsor's uh, invite this week, which... Um...
0: Yep, was the sponsors must be going just head over heels with this. You know, bring the invite in. He's the first PGA Tour winner to win on a sponsor's invite since Westwood won the FedEx St. Jude in 2010. So it shows how rarely this happens. Anyone who listens to this show regularly knows where of is and... You know, um, trying trying our best to keep it together while we actually talk about the event, because we're so excited to see it happen
2: yeah but okay so look that's pork and we're delighted for pork mm. and we're delighted um, you know that the, the a guy who deserves much more than uh, than what he has in the game you know three major tournaments you know he should he should have gone on and kicked on after the third one not not hit the slump that he did so hopefully this is a new dawn for him and Jeez, you know what? Uh, you 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 wouldn't put him past if he if he continues with some form that he ends up heading off to uh, heading off to, to, to the open or something
0: like that. And um, he's off to Augusta in a few weeks.
2: Off to Augusta, Augusta. hundred to one at the moment uh,
0: for for the U.S. Uh, yeah. Masters betting. Um, People who won't be happy about it uh, this week, though, say Ian Poulter. Had a little bit of a nightmare in this final round. Yeah, like pulled, like <laughs> hit the hit the water five times. Still shot a seventy four and finished one shot outside the playoff, and had a shank as well. I mean, what? It's just a crazy week for him. And he said he's said the reason he hit those poor shots. Uh, he, he was not hitting the shots, you know, full tilt, full power. He tried to hit soft ones. So um I think Rob Lee was saying on Sky Sports said, Well, you know, the caddy needs to come in there and say, Well, let's not hit the soft shots here, let's hit the full power ones. So, you know, a H- Polder was obviously playing great during this tournament and just hit a few poor shots at the wrong time, so he's close enough and it's it's good to see him back. He's exciting to he's exciting to watch. Well the
2: uh the shank shank and the shank shank uh didn't help. Um mm. Sorry um, for sorry
0: for any listeners who can't stand hearing that word.
2: Yeah, I, I said this to Barry during the weekend, over the weekend, and he keeps giving out to me. Because mm. seemingly, if I say the word shank, Barry's game goes to shit.
0: Yeah, well, hopefully, it just brings back karma on you, and my game stays fine. Anyway, <laughs> there's uh, a few other players got kind close calls there as well. Like Patrick Reed got smashed by the bear trap on Sunday, on Monday. He went double bogey, bogey, bogey on 15, 16, 17 to miss the playoff by three shots. Paul Casey for the second week running left a putt on eighteen short to get on in on the number to make the playoff. Um, and Russell Russell Knox was very close, our, we like Russell. Russell birdied the last two holes to miss the playoff by one shot. So it was a, it was a really exciting tournament. It was I Russell lo- I Knox loved it. is
2: the bane of my life because he just looks like he's gonna break through and, and pick up a victory. Mm. And, like, I I put a few pounds on him. He was out to 25-ish to 1 when he was not that far off. And I just thought, there's a guy. Come on, now. Now, you did all right last year. And uh, he just just killed. But uh, I would have thought that the the negatives this week is definitely, I'd say, Ian Poulter is probably dreading another iron shot at the moment. And... uh, patrick creed must be just scratching his head wondering why he's not a top five golfer anymore
0: <laughs> do you know what like the, the more i see reads the more actually i like him you know he kind of has a an attitude that he doesn't really care what other people think like you know it shows a lot of self-confidence and it would, obviously that's where that comment came from last year but he is certainly backing it up quite a lot with his Ryder cup performance and then his PJ tour performances he's he really is quite top class at the moment. Yeah, I've gone to
2: him more after the Ryder Cup. I, mm. I thought I, he was a guy who had a bit of passion and a bit of interest and um, you know, I, I just I'm delighted for Porrick. It was Porrick's week, so let's not worry about Harrington no. or Casey Knox or Reed. You know, I think this is one that we should just sit and enjoy, Porrick uh, yeah,
0: yeah. Porter Harrington. And probably a good time as well to, you know, for the first time on the podcast to hear from the winner. So we're gonna play a little clip from Porter Harrington now.
1: You know, I never have trouble hitting a big shot at a big time. Sometimes I struggle with when I, you know, like I, I believe and, I, you know, I'm trying not to bail out on 17 when I was playing it and, you know, I just was making sure not to hit it left and I I, I did make a bad swing. So, you know, I, I'm a better player when I have a lot of clarity. So when I came back to it in real time, you know, I had to hit the shot. There's no choice and, uh, you know, I'm good at that. When I'm under, when I'm back to the wall, I tend to hit the shot uh, you know you could see that today the last nine holes whereas when I got to nine on the par you know I should have been able to go away from the field at that stage but I do struggle in that situation but hopefully going forward now as I said I, I picked up something in my, in my game uh, last Saturday you know I had a tough day in the golf course Saturday at, uh, at River Aaron and you know it was an early start we'd been early where everybody was tired and I heard a couple of players say no I'm finished for the day I'm not going to practice and I said I could go down and practice I hit my balls and, and I found something which is you know, nice
2: so that's Pork, and uh, I think as you say Barry it's best just let him say it you know we, we probably can't say it any better than he can and uh, you and I had a bit of a Excellent treat this week. Uh, you and I went down on Monday to four golf, and um, which for people who don't quite know, and and you'll hear a bit more about it in the interview that Barry had with Derek. But it's basically it's it's not just custom fitting. It's it's basically a company that looks at your game and looks at what kind of equipment can help you improve and really give that one on one. Mm. custom built rather than just custom fit but custom built golf clubs yeah I mean
0: because they, they build them in-house themselves
2: yeah I have to say we went down for what was going to be an hour and I think we ended up spending two with them and uh, and then you stayed on and had a long chat with Derek and uh, it it extended more than the 15 minutes we thought it was going to be so <laughs> uh, there there is an extended um, podcast interview that uh, Barry has with Derek but uh the first twenty minutes, I think, are the yeah. really interesting. Now, do listen to the full. Oh, don't full take 40 away from the last forty because there is there is a uh, world exclusive uh, that Four Golf gives
0: to the podcast uh, to the podcast about so, a yeah, new development in their business. Absolutely. So, cool. so uh,
2: make sure you download the full forty minute interview. But uh, so look, this is uh, Derek uh, Barry sitting down with Derek from Four Golf. Uh, about what Four Golf. Do what they what they provide and why they're different to perhaps other types of custom fitting
0: so we came down to four golf today uh four golf is set in the wonderful clean castle i'm delighted to be joined by derek murray and dave williams who kindly invited us down to go through the whole process of their custom fitting and we could get a look into the elite world of custom fitting for golf clubs at uh, derek uh, welcome to a good talk spoiled yeah, delighted to be here.
3: Thanks for coming down to see us. Hope you enjoyed what you saw today. So. Uh,
0: yeah, yeah, it's several hours worth of discussion to be had, so <laughs> we'll, we'll have to try keep it tight. So, I think that the best thing to do is go back to the beginning. Tell us a little bit how you started, how you got into custom
3: fitting. So, I started in golf when I was—I would have been eighteen, just out of school. I went working in the K Club as an assistant in the golf shop there, and um, worked away there until I was about 22, 23 and then decided I wanted to do something of my own. I saw in the marketplace, that there wasn't a lot of a good understanding about how equipment matched golfers. Um, and even though I was working in a, a five-star um, resort course, there was very little connection between the product that was being sold and, and the way that it was being sold, i.e. whether the guy was getting the right clubs or not. And there was kind of a, a watered down version of fitting uh, as such. And I was kind of interested as to know how to take it to the next level. So I traveled out on tour. As a friend of a friend, uh, one of my friends was a a pro uh, out on tour, so I went out with him. And when I was out on tour with him, I came upon the Mizuno tour truck, which was run at the time by a guy called Barry Willett, (coughs) who would have been like the grandfather of club making. He was the guy who looked after uh, Faldo back in the day, and he would have been Bernard Langer's man, and you know, he would have been the the, the kind of the the main guy on tour um, from a club making perspective. And he was the head pro at Royal St. George's. Um, but he ran the Mizuno tour truck. So when I was out at one of the tournaments, I managed to get uh, into the truck. Uh, and while I was in there, I was just completely and utterly... Uh, it's one of those moments where you suddenly realise that uh, this, with the players coming in and out, getting this move, that move, this checked, this adjusted, crank this a little bit, oh, that shaft was too soft, it was too stiff, it was a little bit this. And then how quickly the guys were able to turn it around in terms of getting it done. And the, and the positive effect it was having uh, both on the players' ability to hit the shot he was trying to hit and in terms of having the club matched to that golfer. So I had one of those light bulb moments and I said, you know, this has not been done. And this is why it's... If it's been done at a high elitist level, then why isn't it being done in the marketplace is what I wanted to know. So after numerous trips to California and Arizona to Ping and to Callaway and to TaylorMates HQ, um, I suddenly realised that the reason it wasn't being done in the marketplace is because it, it was too time-intensive. Uh, and it was difficult because in order to get the right type of training, it took quite a while. It was very intensive. Um, and then it was all kind of product aligned. So, you know, TaylorMade, you know, had a certain way of fitting and their product was very different to, say, Ping or to Callaway, to Titleist, you know, to all the different brands. So it meant that, you know, there was kind of no one right way to do it. And everyone kind of spoke it differently. Anyway. So basically what I did was I spent the guts of four or five years kind of going to every single golf factory Golf facility or indeed testing center, uh, and then blagged my way out on tour to work with Cleveland through Miss Miss Morton on their behalf. That they they had two technicians went down sick. They were in Ireland and they wanted someone to come along that could you know talk to talk and build clubs. I'd worked in the K Club, so they knew the Higgle knew who I was, and they put me forward as a recommendation. Went to the tournament and built the wedges that week that Michael Campbell won with. Oh. <clears <clears <throat> nice. So yeah, and just one of those you know if it's if it's meant for you, it won't pass you. And, yeah. it was, and I, but it, I'm, I, I'm fortunate and lucky. I wouldn't say that this was something I sat down and had a five-year plan and let's do this. It just kind of happened. And then because I built the wedges that week, and because the players that we we helped that week had such a great result, the guy from the on the P on the on, the, on the European Tour asked me would I be interested in coming out and doing a few events with them as a kind of a helper, which I took running absolutely. So I did some of the 2002 and 2003 season on tour at some events. We did big events, so BMW. Uh, at Wentworth, we did um, an event in Spain. Did the, the Italy, did Crans or did the German, uh, and a couple more tournaments. And then I started to you know hone my skill, as it were. But at the very high level, they brought me in for training in their HQ headquarters. So I did some tour training with them, and that was a lot to do with you know R and D and how the clubs worked and how it was designed and built, and so then and how to apply a system that sort of they semi developed from understanding how the club worked to communicating that and building it for the tour player
0: so all, all the while your knowledge is building and, building building, and building building
3: building and the business then at home we started in nace in 1997 i opened my own business in 1997 my dad and i opened the business together he actually came up with the name for golf not many mm. people know that so don came up with for as the name um and then we um I was going back and forth from on the tour he was helping out my mum came along she helped out in the shop as well and um, we just built it up and built it up moved from Nace then out to between Nace and Newbridge to Red Lane Driving Range where we operated we bought the big truck mm-hmm. we bought Taylor, here. we bought TaylorMade's tour truck actually before that we actually bought Taylor oh, okay. May's old tour truck and we used that and then we, we built uh, the big truck that's out there in the car park and then we used that at Red Lane up until three years ago. And then we moved to here. to this fabulous facility at Killeen
0: Castle. This is something else. Definitely. We're going to tweet a few photos of it to show everybody what oh, yeah. like. But, I like. Mean, it, it doesn't know justice. It. Yeah, but it
3: was one of those. We needed to have the visual that matched the performance of the mm. business, you see. And before we kind of had it a little bit, but we didn't really have it exactly. And then, you know, in 2010, when we were we voted world number one at club making, We needed to have the right venue to to match that status, Mm -hmm. and so this was the perfect uh, perfect match for us. We actually we actually looked to move to the K Club originally because I I have a bit of a a a for that place, Um, but it just didn't work out for us. And this was a purpose built building, Mm -hmm. and we just literally moved in, moved a few walls around, and open the door and the job was done. Yeah, it's oh, it's brilliant. It's really, I'm glad really, like really It's a really yeah. great experience. Ah, it's good. It's like you walk in, and you just feel. Yeah, <laughs> it's, sit, for, it's a God for sweet shop. Yeah, yeah. It's it, <laughs> a great way to put it. But you feel you feel like you're being treated like a pro in the moment you walk through the door. Good. And uh, that's and that's what we wanted. We wanted people to understand that, you know, it wasn't all front and and, and you know it wasn't all you know smoke and mirrors. It, it, mm. When you walk into our place, you see the clubs being built. We wanted that to be the thing. Yeah. And you yeah. saw the clubs being made, so there was no, you know. In the back, opening up boxes and handing out stuff, and saying, "Ah, oh, so this stuff is perfect for you." You know, it was mm. everything is built from scratch here, and we make sure that that's the visual and that's what you see when you walk in. There's nowhere to hide. Yeah, it's kind of like the golfing equivalent of a restaurant with an open kitchen. The, it's the it's dying, funny. Yeah. It's funny. It's exactly where we got the idea. Good call. Because we, I went and had one of those chefs kitchen experiences where you sat in the kitchen mm. and the table's in in the corner and then he walks by and just puts food down on your table and you eat it So, that, and I wanted something that was very chef's kitchen so you could see the food being made you knew it wasn't mm. coming out of a packet or it wasn't all being you know, properly made and you got that sense of being involved in the whole process as it were yeah, and everyone. so that's where we built the glass front of the workshop, so people could see where what their yeah, clubs are great. being built. You, you see
0: all the little gadgets and
3: gizmos that actually go into, it like the, yeah. the loft and line machines. Exactly. And that's, exactly, it's It's brilliant little workshop. It puts you know. more pressure on the lads because they have to keep the place tidy. But I mean, <laughs> apart from that, it's it's all pretty
0: good. Ah, uh, but it's every boy's dream, like you just you know little things to tinker around it and yeah, machines yeah. To Again, again, and, and all the
3: machines it. that we put in there, they're all very important in part and different. Yeah. Di- they do different jobs and stuff for the, for the workshop. But yeah, I'm glad you, I'm glad you got that visual. So I think the best. The best best thing to
0: do like to describe it from what happens here is go back to walking through the door and what you see so like if I was a new if I'm a new customer as I was today walking through the door could you walk us through the process that you would go through with a new customer to to get them to a solution at the end of the day that doesn't necessarily mean getting them
3: new clubs which have we discovered today yeah correct Um, I suppose one of the things you want to make sure that people know that it's friendly it's an open place so it is quite technical looking but we're all quite you know Friendly and normal. There's no, you don't have to be a better player to come here. You can come here if you're a complete beginner and you're just not sure what to get, or if you're you know quite tall or quite small or or you know you you think actually you know what I'm not comfortable going in and buying something and just walking out with it. You know I'm not I want to get some some sort of a system or a process or at least get the grip size right. Simple things. But so if you think that you're that person, then obviously that we're so we want people to come, Mm. relax. You know we have a little warm up ball uh, session before you before you hit ball, just to kind of, not warm-ups as much, but more just to relax. Because people yeah. get a bit tense and, uh, you know, nervous about hitting balls in front of us. But we're not looking at the golfer at all, per se. We're looking at what the ball does, and we're looking at the golfer does. So it's not necessarily a good or a bad um, viewpoint we're not interested in, you know. There was, yeah, that was one thing. There was no judgment no. at all today. there's none. And yeah. it's not, because there's different levels. Yeah. Everyone plays differently. Like, and um the, the, the stark reality of it is David and I have, you know, we've, we've, we've done probably between us over 10,000 fittings. And I would say that you couldn't impress or upset us because we've seen pretty much everything. Mm. So we get people to come, relax, have a cup of coffee, hit some balls. And then we bring you into the bay, into the club room, uh, which is basically where we do all the measuring. We have all the brands in special test clubs that we can bolt different shafts into. We'll weigh, test and measure your own clubs first. And this kind of gives us a starting point as to where you're at. And then we'll also have you hit your own clubs first because that kind of gives us an understanding of you know well if it's not going to work or if something isn't quite gelling or making sense to us in terms of how it's built then that's what we'll test and measure first so that's kind of your starting point so mm-hmm. that's the start of the race if you will and once we've got some data from those and understood how you've hit those and what happens and when it goes wrong what happens and when it goes right what happens um and we'll talk through like you know what do you like what do you not like and what's working what's not working and get your viewpoint and then we'll start the session based on our understanding of kind of where we want to go with this so for instance if for argument's sake, you're using the wrong shaft in your iron. And we'll, we'll test you with some different shafts to see and show you more than show us mm-hmm. how we influence the club based on if you're not using the right product. And this is all about us and our understanding and knowledge of how the club works fundamentally. So that's why we have to know how to build stuff. Because you don't know how it's going to perform unless you know how it goes together. Mm-hmm. So we understand the component first. And then we'll bring you along a journey of understanding how that component works for you. And you'll see it in ball flight. And you'll feel it in your hand and you'll understand it. Oh, okay, so explain. That. So that's lighter. Okay, that's why I can feel the head more. It's heavier. So that gives me better balance. Oh, okay, or the grip's wider. or oh, that gives me better feel because it fits my hand better. So we'll bring you along a journey and we'll show you then. It's almost like, you know, we, we give you a look into the potential. Mm. On the possibility,
0: yeah, yeah, just open, it, just a little crack in the door. Well, and it, you can it's important,
3: through, well, we, yeah. we, we, and that's why we always wanted to do ball flight. Like, we'd love yeah. to work indoors and have a big heated room with a big net, and we, we'd love to. Like, don't get me wrong, because Ireland today, well, it was kind of snowing today. So it in the was, first of March, literally every <laughs> yeah. season yeah. came down in the one hour, yeah, two exactly. hours we were
0: in there. There was snow, there yeah. was sun, there was the wind switched direction three that's times. <laughs> well,
3: you were blaming the wind a lot, but I mean, well, yeah. the the the, have the have bl- to blame something. Huh? <laughs> the point was that we we'd love to work indoors, but but we yeah. found that and especially at top level we found that when there was no connection with target it meant that the the sense of what you were doing was slightly skewed mm-hmm. so you you need a target line. You need something to aim at, and then also it gives you a real flight response. So when you're hitting balls, you see if it's not hitting the target. So yeah. we've a green down there at one sixty two carry. Mm-hmm. Well, now you're not going to know if you're not going to be hitting the green that it's not long enough, and you're going to know if it's short, then it's short, and it's in the bunker or if it's over the back of the green. Yeah, you can see that. We're visual. We're visual. Humans are visual. You know, you see the result. You see the full result. Well, rather are, than yeah, exactly. an Interpretation on a screen. Right. If you otherwise, indoors. otherwise, otherwise, it's a guess. Yeah, and if it's if it's a guess, you know, I'm uncomfortable with that as Mm -hmm. as a technician. And I've and I've seen some really good guys work indoors, but I know the ultimate is outdoor flight. And also, I think that the the player or the 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 client gets a better reaction to what we're trying to do when he has an absolute real visual. Mm -hmm. And then we back it up with data. Yeah, but the real the sense of real balls. It's why we use a real ball it's why we use a a specially made surface to hit balls off that reacts better than any driving range mat it's because we've gone into that level of detail that we want it to be as real as possible without it being out on the golf course so that's why I gained all those no
0: the bay itself is spectacular (laughs) to be in it's a real uh, it's it's a lovely experience there's loads of shafts there you feel like you're in a a laboratory
3: of sorts, but it's right. We wanted that. That's actually important. That visual is important. Yeah. That's why it's so stark in there. It's, there's not a lot of colors. It's just some small branding, but it's quite bright and it's quite you know. It's, yeah, it's, it's all it's, very it's, focused. It is, and it's quite. It's, we wanted that kind of a sense mm-hmm. where you you were the focus. I like it. I like there it. There was lot. no focus on the big brand or who had the big who had the brightest golf bag mm-hmm. or who had the biggest stand. That's why we built the the unit for holding the shafts and the heads because it's ours. Yeah, we didn't want to put the carts. You see these fitting carts. There's companies out. We don't like those because it means that whoever's the brightest color wins. Exactly, And there's no influence from that perspective. It needed to be level playing field. It needed to be all about the player. So once we go through all the different shafts, all the different heads, we show you what's going to work, and then we're actually taking quite a lot of measurements during the session that you don't realize. Mm. Things like weight, shaft weight, uh, torsional value on the shaft, uh, swing weight of the club, uh, type and design of head we're going to use, and we go across the wedges, the driver, the hybrid, the fairway woods. And the iron separately, so they're all fitted slightly separately because they do different jobs. Mm. Um, and once you've gone through the whole system, then we explain to you what we're going to do. It may be that you know something is fine, that's in the golf bag, we may not want to touch it on the basis that it's doing what it needs to do, it may not be ideal um the, the whole set might not be ideal but there may be sp- certain products in there that might just be a little tweaking or they might just be fine We don't touch that it's fine it's you mm-hmm. don't touch the club it's not having an effect on the way, way the ball's flying or it might be a rebuild where we take something that you already have and, and pull it apart and, and match it in better um or it could be something completely new and off the rack so
0: i think w- one of the beautiful things is uh, kind of your tagline for golf building better golfers uh, i love yeah. that because it's not it's Not building better clubs, it's building better golfers. And one thing I really saw today, and in particular, an example would be James right now. That you guys said, um, giving him new, getting James new clubs now wouldn't fix what he needs fixing, yeah. So, what James <clears throat> actually needed and what you guys gave him were a couple of things to go work on to, to increase his efficiency, or is actually it was a smash factor, yes, yeah, his, his, yeah, his speed, so his speed between the the, the hit or the, the head in the ball and what was being transferred to the ball yeah right. it was inefficient but so right. so rather than say oh we can give you clubs and you might get a few percentage points uh, increase we're going to give you something to go work on and if you go work on that and fix that come back to us in a couple
3: of months yeah so then we can see a yeah. much larger increase so we don't in we, so we don't teach yeah and that's one of the things we're very clear about so we're not like one of these guys who's, who does a bit of everything but a master of none mm. we are strictly custom fit yeah clubs equipment that's it we don't do teaching we don't do lessons we don't do uh, pro shop we don't do green fees we don't do we're nothing we're so we're just a complete masterclass in custom fitting so whereas we don't teach we have a very good understanding of biomechanics and how mm-hmm. the swing works obviously we have that and especially the fact that we've worked on tour as technicians we get access to you know the Butch Harmons the 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 the, the Pete the Dennis Pews the, all the coaches out on tour and we're brought in as part of their solution Mm. process. So they may come halfway and get the club to come the other half. They may come ninety percent of the way and come to ten percent. They made of us to do ninety percent of the job and half of they only do ten percent of the swing change. But we're always we were all we were always involved in projects. So this gives us access to the swing thoughts and mm-hmm. the swing ideas and the swing changes because we're no threat to a coach. Yeah. So we get we get great access to to, to coaches, great coaches and how they how they operate. So we can recognise when it's a swing issue or a club issue, and if it's a swing issue first, then we're in, we're we're only interested in the result. We're only interested in whether that guy's going to hit the ball better. We're only interested in whether he can get the shots down his hand again. Mm. We're only interested if he can win. That's it. End of. So if we say like with James, we thought actually, do you know what? We'd like to press pause on the clubs. Because by bringing the club in here, it may only confuse the issue more for James. Mm. Whereas we discussed and James was sort of saying, oh yeah, I'm working on this with my coach. And instantly we would say, okay, perfect. So right now is not the time to go sort of you know, raining down on the coach's parade. And James rocks up with a new driver and the coach goes, Jesus, I I nearly have you turning in better. I nearly have you back online. And we would say, no, we're just going to press pause on the club. Mm-hmm. I'm going to let you do a little bit more work on trying to get that swing better and give you some ideas about what we want the club to feel like or to do. Mm-hmm. And then what we'll do is we'll readdress this maybe in three, four months' time. Important.
0: Yeah, I think Dave, Dave was saying it as well to James. that think ultimately in a couple of months' time when James has things with his swing a little bit more solid, the whole range of options is open to James and what can be done and you know what well, the advantage. The, the upside of getting new clubs for him would be a much bigger one in a couple of months' time when he's more well, solid well,
3: Dave than would we'll be right now. D- yeah, Dave would forecast very well. So he'd view a situation and, and he'd make a call, like something like that. And, and to be honest, we're bound by the truth. Mm. So, you know, because we, we run or own this whole custom fit process in terms of Ireland, like we're the pioneers of it. We're the people that started it from start. You know, we, we were voted world number one for a reason. It's because it's our space. This is what we do. It's our specialty. And so Dave would make a really strong judgment call on something like that because he knew ultimately that James would benefit greater and have a better choice of what we needed to do, and get a and ultimately a better result if he paused it and reviewed it. Yeah, it's it's
0: brilliant, and it kind of it just fits into the whole thing down here. It's it's not it's not a sales house. It's about building a better golfer, and if oh, that means, if that means like you said, hitting pause for a couple of months. And ultimately, you guys will get a much better result out of it, well, and I, the customer will, and then
3: everyone's a winner. I, you're right. I mean, the problem is that custom fitness is a term that's bandied around quite a bit. And, you know, it's used It's used now because people in, in retail see it as a way to upsell or to retail product because it seems like the club has been built for them or it's been you know fitted for them or whatever the word is. Um and so we're always focused on the end result always focused on the golfer and the, the product is almost a byproduct of what we produce uh, and that's why we get the ultimately the, the best end results is because mm. we're focused on the player all the time as we would be on tour yeah. it was yeah. never about you know getting them getting to you know you know uh, you need to have this driver or that driver or this fair it was always about the result is this going to make enough of a difference is he going to win is he going to get the silver line is he going to hit more fairways and regulation is it more greens and regulation is stroke average going to improve yes it is therefore we move or we make that decision mm.
0: it's just it's such a wonderful process I, mean, I, come here, like I come down here and do it every week like if i was a tour pro even i'd enjoy it you know it's like it yeah. doesn't, doesn't feel like work at all it's really relaxed it's yeah yourself and dave are just a pleasure
3: today like it's, it's, no, it's
0: easy it's just good fun it's easy. well it's what we do no, it, no it's what we do it's what
3: we do see yeah. that that's the difference if it's what you do if it's what you're supposed to do and yeah. what you're meant to do like dave and i often talk about it that we're quite privileged and that this this found us you know thank God this found me because I I, I can't imagine myself doing anything else on this world and this I can't like if somebody said to me look it's all over you're going to have to do something I honestly can't think about something else that I could do as easy or have as much success with so you're making us very jealous. We're here. quite privileged. We're not we're it's really privileged we're really privileged to be in the yeah. sport uh, and to be in it at this at, at this end and to be able to, to be able to do something that we really enjoy. It's quite No, it's challenging, yeah, as is every job, but it certainly has its its rewards. So that's uh
2: that's that, that was Derek and Barry uh from four golf World Club Maker of the Year. And uh I just wanna say personally, on behalf of myself and Barry, uh, what a what a great day we had and Thank Derek and Dave uh, a huge amount for 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 what they they gave us down there, and I would strongly advise anybody who's thinking about changing their clubs. This is that part of the year where people start the the summer's kind of starting now. Mm. Spring is right, you know, just just that people are starting to dust off the gear. If you're even contemplating anywhere in Ireland that you're contemplating getting new clubs. Don't even think twice about it. Just get yourself booked and get down to four golf because I think you'll see a huge difference in in what they can provide compared to other places.
0: And even if it's just a case of going there with your own gear to check how it is and how it suits you, there might not be many things that I actually need to do to your clubs, as Derek says. They, They might need to tweak one or two things. They might leave it exactly as is. I mean, they just, they evaluate what is the best for you. And that might not necessarily mean buying new golf clubs. Uh, in, like in, as in your case it might need might require you to go off for a couple of months to finish off what you're working on and come back and then you've got so many more options open to you about what can actually add to your game or help improve your game
2: well I, I think the interesting thing is that you can you can buy off the shelf golf clubs go into any of the, 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 the golf shops your pro shop and just buy anything that's mm-hmm. off the shelf and that's fine that, that that will work for some people you might hit it lucky and it might be perfect for you I think probably ninety nine percent of the time it won't. You can go into any of the big retailers, and you can be inverted commas custom fitted, but you're going to be bound by what they have in the yeah. shop. They're going to be bound by what they can provide for you. You're kind of
0: custom matched to whatever their stock is. Exactly,
2: right? and and I suppose the and I said this to you the other day afterwards that when you go into places like that, they are built to sell you something. Mm-hmm. Their their aim is to sell you some piece of equipment that is now currently on the floor of their shop. I always got the impression in the time that we were with Derek, is that it's not necessarily about them selling you something. No. It's about fitting you with the right equipment. And as you said, when we went down and I said to the guys, you know, and I and I, I, I was very honest. I'm I'm somebody who if I thought that chucking another couple of hundred quid at equipment would make my golf better and I'd be a lower handicap. I barely think twice about it, but they wouldn't sell me anything. You know, even when I said, well, what, what, what would I, what, what should I do? And the the two lads said, you need to go off, work on your smash factor, work on these bits that Mm -hmm. you're working with and then come back to us. And I think interestingly, what they were saying was if somebody comes to us and we don't want to give them new equipment because they need to work on something, that if they come back to us, we wouldn't charge them again for yeah. the repeat visit.
0: Which is great. Which I
2: think that's. it. But that says everything about yeah. the the, the bar. So I don't. I don't think
0: custom fitting
2: is the right word. They need to invent a new word
0: for these guys and what they do. It's just. It's. It's. It's actually mind blowing when you get to go there and see it. I mean, it, it, it is exactly what you imagine it would feel like being a pro and going through, to right to the nth degree. And I think a perfect metaphor for for their whole business and what they do and the fine detail and the love and attention they put into the whole process is that they had, they had a loft and line machine before and it measured to within one degree for the loft and lie of your clubs. They just said, this isn't good enough. We, we need something more accurate, better. We need to get this right down and so we know exactly what we're delivering a spot on. They went to a Japanese company. I think I heard we had we this in the interview with Derek. They went to a Japanese company and got them to build a digital measuring machine which measures to not point zero one of a degree so this is this is science at this stage but if there's an art that's a mix of art and science because they, they see your swing as well and they use the numbers and they, they match it all together and, and it's I just think, wonderful i
2: think the key thing and some of our listeners might be saying yeah but you know if you're paying for that kind of detail if you're pay, paying for that kind of expertise it's going to cost me a lot of money compared to if i go down to my local golf shop or into my pro and i get mm. onto the simulator and i end up doing the truth of the matter is, it doesn't. No. It actually doesn't. If you go on to 4 ie, you can actually see the pricing. Mm-hmm. It's going to cost you a little bit more, but you're going to get absolutely amazing equipment. And the thing about it is that even you and I went down to a certain brand and got our own clubs. Mm-hmm. But interestingly, what they were saying was, they're, they're, they're good fits for us. But interestingly, there was probably better fits in the market mm. than what we have. But... That particular company couldn't give us another company's brand, well, exactly, because yeah. we were fitted correctly in that maker's options. Yeah, but yeah. not necessarily what was out in the market. Yeah, it was. Uh, it
0: was interesting. They uh, they measured up my my set of irons just to see what the lofts and lies were. They're always very interested to see what's out there in the market, what comes in. Especially from other companies that do custom fitting, or even just shops that sell clubs, and it turned out my clubs were more than a few degrees off on on, on a lot of them, and um, so they went and fixed all my clubs. So I now have zero excuses other than you know the wind, the weather butterflies flapping their wings uh, and anything else but to be fair they,
2: they do get a good dig in across the, the interview yeah. because uh you know you you did have a huge issue with the left to right right to left wind straight into your face derek,
0: derek had my number yeah uh,
2: <laughs> but no look i i just want to again just between between myself and barry just say uh, a huge thank you to uh, derek and and dave who uh Gave a huge amount of time to us last uh, mm. last Monday, and uh,
0: hope they enjoyed it as well.
2: Yeah, and look, I, I can't more than highly recommend that people get onto the website, go onto foregolf.ie If you're even contemplating, it is money well spent to go down and see whether mm. or not a change is right for you and what kind of changes. You know, there's no obligation to buy. So no, you can not just go down, have you know, spend the hour, see what can be done. And they're they're brutally honest, as 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 I found out. Yeah. Where I I, looking... I heard that worrying sound at one stage where I was hitting golf balls, and uh, Derek had arrived into the into the bay, and Dave said to him, uh, Derek, you you want to have a look at this? This is this is just <laughs> this is the weirdest weirdest swing you've ever seen."
0: <laughs> I think he was talking about your numbers now, rather than your swing. Well, that's true. And yeah. then
2: then it turned out that whatever I did, I was able to manipulate hands and arms and legs and everything to kind of mm. fix the the problems but uh it's not something you want to hear <laughs>
0: but no but, but they did in, in fairness they said look you're not totally uh screwed <laughs> you know you're not completely without talent or skill
2: interestingly but, we were only within four yards of our drives
0: the drivers yeah yeah, like, yeah i know so I'm gonna, i need i need to get down to those guys soon and get myself a proper driver and work on the swing over the next few weeks get down to them get a driver and just open up that 40 yard gap again like, yeah, well, you know, we'll wait and see. Um, We've got a podcast prop bet: who finishes the longest driving average of the year, or something like that. Well, I won the long
2: drive competition. I think twice now at the end of the day, Barry. So, uh, <laughs> so when you catch up to me, you can uh, you can you, is, can, can you can talk to come me. Come back
0: to me when you've driven the eleventh. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, with uh, the wind. Listen, if anyone wants to get through to the guys on Twitter as well, they're there at Four Golf Custom, and it's F O R E. So um look, thanks a million to the guys and you know, I'm sure over the coming weeks and months we'll uh, be mentioning them again as our games get along and uh my father and I'm sure my dad'll be winning a few events with his new clubs as well. So
2: Yeah, and I'm hoping to get down and after a few uh few more hours on the range, uh go back down to the So look, next week's uh tournaments um we're gonna just very briefly mention that the HSBC Women's Championship is on next week and uh, Lydia Coe, surprise, surprise, is, is out in front in the betting stakes here at seven to two. Park Inbee is eleven to two, uh Stacy Lewis seven to one, Amy Yang sixteen to one, Suzanne Pedersen, twenty to one, and they kinda of go out from there, Michelle Wee down at twenty-eight to one, Kerry Webb thirty-three to one. Um, in the European, op- uh, the European tour, they moved to the African Open. And Barry, were you having a look at this course? And
0: just a little bit, yeah. So this is kind of a linksy parkland course. It's really short by pro standards. This is like as long as our place plays off the blue tees. It's six thousand six hundred and sixteen yards. It's par seventy one. So it's kind of large coastal dunes and a bit of a indigenous bush to deal with. Some, you know. It, Lots few little tricky short holes as well, but uh, certainly, I think if the wind doesn't get too up too high this week, it'll be uh, quite a low score that wins. So, the European Tour slowly meanders its way back towards Europe. Um, so we'll, we'll see what happens here. It's not a super high quality field, but there are a few, you know, a few names yeah, to make it a mid strength so European Tour event.
2: La- last week's uh, winner, Andy Sullivan, 10 to 1. Uh, Jaco van Zeel. Is fourteen to one. George Cortez eighteen to one, and I suppose to be honest, is he, with you, is
0: he from South America? George Cortez.
2: I don't know. He can be wherever he wants As. to be. Kevin Feeling <laughs> fifty to one. Um, they, it's 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 not a it's uh, not a massively uh, wonderful field. Darren Clark is uh, there uh, twenty to one. Peter Lawrie one hundred and fifty to one, but um, realistically, I think.
0: Darren Clark's 200 to 1. He is. Look at that. Um, anyway, suppose- yeah, it'll, it'll be, we're getting there. We're getting there in the European Tour. It's, the fields are slowly strengthening, you know. If so, look, we'll see what happens. I, I just can't wait till it like, gets back up towards Europe. You know, if, if, so it starts to feel more involved then. You know, this is kind of a mix between the European and Sunshine Tour. So, I mean, until then, we, we kind of were, were mostly attracted to the PGA Tour. So, there's two events this week uh, the kind of second tier one. Is the Puerto Rico Open from Trump International Golf Club in Puerto Rico? Uh, incidentally, this week seems to be sponsored by Trump Donald Trump on the PJ Tour. Surprising. because The WGC Cadillac Championship is from Trump National Doral. So the the course down in Puerto Rico is a re- reasonably long course over seven and a half thousand yards, but it's going to be really low scoring. So look, it's a it's a chance for these guys, as always, if they haven't got a tour card, to go grab a card, grab some easy money, while um, and you know aim towards getting into the WGC. And uh, you know the top fifty in the world, or get into the WGC through the money list. So definitely, okay. the one for us this week is is the WGC from the Blue Monster and Doral.
2: Well, you just just to give the very top end of the uh, the runners and riders in Puerto Rico, in case people are interested, Brendan DeJon, eighteen to one. Boo Weekly is eighteen to one. Peter Uline twenty to one. Jeff Overton twenty two to one. John Peterson twenty two to one and uh, they kind of go out from there. So um, that pretty much, it's not going to be one that's going to feature too highly on my radar, to be perfectly honest. I'm going to be spending most of my week and looking at the WGC Cadillac. Um, Before you get on to the the, the course, I'll just give the runners and riders as well. Rory is back um, uh, 11 to 2, Bubba Watson fourteen to one, Jason Day sixteen to one, Jordan Spieth eighteen to one, Dustin Johnson twenty to one, Adam Scott twenty two to one, Patrick Reed twenty five to one, Phil Mickelson twenty eight to one, Henrik Stenson twenty eight to one, and then you are kind of going out to the thirties. Sergio thirty three to one, Ricky Fowler thirty three to one, Paul Casey thirty three to one. Gray McDowell forty to one, Martin Keimer forty five to one, and Brand Snedeker fifty to one, and kind of out just and to out, choose and out out. yeah. So <laughs> just Shay, Shane Larry's back in the field this week for 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 our Irish interest uh, sixty to one, and uh, just looking there, Jason Duffner, a man who seems to have dropped like a stone at the moment, sixty six to one. But um, it's 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 a great field. I I just I love the WGCs because it is truly
0: the mm. best
2: in the world like the WGCs are just like another
0: major it's the first time many a year that the full top 50 in the world have actually competed in it so they're all there and you get a few more of the top ranked money winners from various tours worldwide and they'll have a little kind of qualifier this week as well as so six others so I think kind of the field might kind of gets in around 75 or 80 there's no cut so everybody gets their four rounds this week it's That's gonna, good for Rory. It is good for Rory. <laughs> it's it's going to be a bit of a brute. This was the toughest course outside of the majors last year. It was the number three in difficulty overall. So it's a seven, over 7,500-yard par 72. And it's really famous for its 18th goal to the Blue Monster itself, which is just a brute of a par 4. It's 480 yards. and Really tough tee shot, where he tried to carry water, or else he hit it into a very narrow fairway. And the second shot is just—it's pant wettingly scary. Like it's—it's it's really difficult. To, uh, so you're gonna need—you're gonna need to be on your game this week. And I don't know, maybe if any, maybe if a lot of people would have scared been,
2: about the idea of a pant pants wetting par four. Tweet mm. us a podcast GTS with a
0: hashtag pants wetting.
2: That's uh, that that could start trending this week.
0: You never know, you never know. But anyway, uh yeah, it's going to gonna be a tough test this week, so maybe somebody who went deep last week and kind of had the full suffering of the Honda Classic might not be able to get the energy levels up for this one this week, but you never know, they could be riding the uh, the enthusiasm from last week.
2: Do you know, the the thing about it is that because it's the top 50 of the world, you could really make a case for practically anyone here, mm. um, you know. Paul Casey 33 to 1 is is it is is it's good for a second place. You know, G- yeah. well, get kind of each way I suppose. <laughs> um Jimmy Walker 33 to 1 like this there's, there's just such good value in there in terms of names. I'm going to continue to do what I've done the last few weeks so I'm just going to wait till Saturday Sunday and then you know see if if it's a tight leaderboard which I I would expect it to be. I can't see anybody running away with this by seven or no. eight shots. No, it's, it's going to be real tight. Like it could be another playoff week, I suppose. But uh,
0: yeah, I'm I'm gonna put a cheeky few euro on Keegan Bradley. He's been he's been playing pretty well recently. Although not didn't quite challenge. So uh, you know, 50, fifty to one. fifty to one is very tempting on him. And another one I'm gonna keep an eye on is Webb Simpson as well. He's got some amazing stats this year for for, for his all round game and all the departments. So, um, he's another one I am going to keep an eye out on. You know, he owes me one after stealing the U.S. Open from Harrington and I had a substantial win on Harrington coming to me.
2: Yeah, I suppose never overlook the likes of you Juice, Luton. Yeah, you'll get there. Right. Yeah, and uh, Victor on hundred to one. Mm. Uh, so look, there's there's good there's good value in the market. It's it, as you say, it's over four rounds. They're all there. So even if they have one bad round, they're they're not gone for the whole week. So uh, so it'll be interesting to see what happens. Sure. Look, that just leads uh, me to uh, say that Barry, you're going to tweet the competition stuff. I'll just give uh, people
0: a reminder right now, so they just need to tweet "I want to at Pitchfix USA Twister for my hashtag golf" and add in at podcast GTS. But I'll tweet that makes it easier for you guys to to copy it and fire it out.
2: Yeah, perfect. And uh, again, just want to th- thank them for the sponsorship. I want to thank Four Definitely go on and have a look at their website. And if you're anywhere close to them, anywhere in Ireland or even in the UK, it's only forty five minutes. Yeah. Not even from Dublin. There's Airport. people that travel
0: there from all around the world, so it's it's worth it for your golf game. You know, it's uh, it's one of the best investments you ever make, just in your time and that that little price for for their expertise.
2: And we're going to put up the extended podcast or the extended interview as a separate podcast, so you can have a uh, listen to the whole thing. I uh, just want to thank Barry, want to thank those guys, and I uh, want to thank you all, the listeners, for listening. As always, without you guys, we wouldn't, we'd just be two guys sitting here on a Tuesday, Wednesday, just talking about golf. Mm-hmm. So Thanks uh, everyone. Thanks a million, and uh, we'll talk to you again next week.
1: Bye bye, yeah? Well, you're Bye bye.